Hey, I'm Toph Evans. I'm on the Purpose Driven Entrepreneur podcast all the way from Australia. A little bit about me. I do podcast strategy and podcast editing. Um, I have a bit of a background in mental health advocacy um, in CX. And welcome to the Purpose Entrepreneur podcast. So um, if, just to give our listeners some context on you as quickly as you can, I would love for you to talk about the company that you run now. Like, how does it work? Um, who do, what do you sell and to who? And like, how did it start? No worries. So the business is called Soundboard. For me, it was a solution to really save podcasters time and energy. For anyone that knows that has doing podcasting, that has doing any of the editing, it's a pretty mundane thing. All podcasters, I feel, just want to do is just record. They want to share their story. Yes. They want to influence their people. They want to empower using their voice. However, when we're hunkered down with the back end and the admin and the engine room, it can take away that passion. So when there is an average of like 13 episodes for people to get through and then they give up, it's, it's a bit of a sad thing. So I came on board to do podcast strategy and podcast editing all because of one client a client said to me hey man i know you're good with this tech stuff can you do this can you help me out i said yeah, yeah sure and he goes i'll pay you and i said that's cool mm -hmm. and i made sure to focus on quality and over deliver every time and ever since that it's created a word of mouth essentially marketing for me and one client led to many more and to many more and i thought oh my gosh i've I could turn this into a full-time thing. So I've managed to turn this side hustle into a full-time thing. And as well as doing the editing, I do love getting involved with strategy. Like what's the overarching roadmap yeah. from, because that's the other thing. People want to quit because they go, I don't know what the hell I'm doing this for now. Like at the start, it seemed great, but it was kind of like a wing it mentality. So yeah, I wanted to come as a soundboard. It's like a double entendre where yes, it is a, literally voice of sound but it's also a someone that they can refer to as a bit of an expert or as a bit of a guiding light to help them stay on track while as an operations person what have you found are some of the things that uh your clients like by focusing on xyz things in their podcast strategy it helps them to get through those 13 initial episodes where you're like in the honeymoon phase and then you want to stop? Yeah. For the fact that I take care of the editing, that gets them, that gets them through of it. That's a big one already. And then it comes down to how do we streamline the process so that we have when obviously the first episode is probably going to take the longest to do because there's a lot of setting things up. It's making sure we have the right, maybe templates, making sure we have, um, the right configuration and then afterwards it gets quicker and quicker over time but then we use automation tools and over there we, it makes it easier to refer back to data and analytics and and go is this where we want to go or do we want to pivot from there but by having them involved in the process as well so that they can see it it allows them to be oh wow okay so i can see full transparency but it doesn't take long to get past those 13 episodes because yeah. the mundane is taken away from them What's a typical podcast strategy sesh with you like? Yeah, true. Um, so I would usually do a discovery call and that will go over like a good hour, hour and a half of asking questions. 
because I need to know, like, I can't provide a strategy if I don't know the ins and outs of that person. I need to know more about them. What's like their overall goals. Like it's almost like business strategy. That's how I look at it. And it's it's an extension of whether it's a personal brand or a company's business. What do I like? I need to know who is their target audience. I need to know what is like, if anything, what is the why of the podcast? Like what, what is the overarching core principle of what you're, trying to achieve and then it's not it's like that simon cynic framework right you start with the why then you go with the how so why is purpose how is process and what is the product the yeah. what is usually the the podcast itself but then we go into differentiator and then how based on that person's uh realistic time frame what can we achieve in that time and i always recommend start small like if you're starting out with a podcast, don't try and pump out three a week. Like, <laughs> like everyone that's like starting like that or try and do like a three hour episode, like a Rogan, like let's just focus on say 20 minute episodes. Well, let, I need to figure out what's realistic for them first. And then from there, it makes it easier to put the pieces together to put it on to, to articulate it for them. What are most people that are working with you looking to get out of their podcast? Funnily enough, they want their return on investment. Yes. It always comes down to, is this going to be worth my money? Is it going to generate revenue? 100%. Are these businesses or are these just like individuals? Both. So some are businesses, which I've started to change my business model to work on them as well, because it it allows me to create more impact. It allows me to have a bigger reach um, and to work with the big key players because there are a few like dream clients would love to work with. So for that, if I start with, if I aim for businesses, it will eventually get me to those businesses. Yeah. Um, it does come down to at the start, you're not going to make money. It's just as simple as that. You're not going to make money off like your first day episodes, unless you're like a very big, like celebrity influencer who has that, that clout, I guess. Um, over time, it is about building getting the rhythm in place so that then you can focus on monetization. I wouldn't do monetization straight up because then it also means you're in it for the wrong reasons. In my opinion, it's like, I'm starting a business to be rich or I'm doing this to make money. Money comes as a byproduct. It's, it comes from once you're on mission or on impact. I know this might sound real fluffy, but it's true. Like we're doing this to serve. We're doing this to, to find a solution to the problem or to bring connection or to bring community. And from there, it makes it easier to monetize on top of that. But I do always talk to any client and say, look, are you in this for the long haul? I always try to make that as well. Cause is it, it's not something that you're going to do like 10 episodes and then F it off. I'm like, or else I don't want to work with you. It's like, we're trying to build community here for God's sake. Yeah. What have you figured out is like required to go from, podcast to community right so the two things i'm hearing that is this audience and this community so i can speak to anyone into a microphone and anyone that's listening is essentially an audience but community is when they're talking to each other is when the audience is talking to each other so how do we i find like community is almost tied in with movement and when when they feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves, like a cause greater than themselves, like it's almost like it's cultish <laughs> without the negative connotation. Yeah. That's how community is driven. They honestly yeah. feel like 
that are like they wake up in the morning and they're happy to advocate it and they're happy like they literally feel it's like how patriotic nations can be over sport sometimes like that's that's a community and it's like let's build that how do you do that like what's required yeah like it's, how, how do it's you a, advise it's, your clients on how to and i'm asking because i want to know <laughs> yeah right it's it's still an ongoing process and it's not something that i have all the answers on a go-to it is honestly a, a, like a long slog and a lot of it does come down to it's asking the right questions so that how do you thought provoke what you're speaking about or how do you talk about something that's sensitive or taboo and put it in like a like a healthy spin so it does get people turning their heads and it creates discussion because that's that's one thing it's creating discussion like the top interviewers in the world they'll ask those questions that no one has ever thought of they'll ask those questions that do create a bit of controversy but all it does is how how i see it is if i talk i'm going to just use politics because this is the best example you've got left wing and right wing what you want to do is make a middle ground, like that convergence, not to the point of F you, F you, blah, 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 to create like anger and resentment. It's like, I see you, I hear you, I see your point. I don't agree with you on that. And here's why. And it's creating understanding. That's what I think community comes to is to be understood. And so that because when we uh, humans have like so many different values, like I will have different values to you, man, but there's some things I agree on that you may not agree on. And it comes down to, do I have the empathy and compassion to listen to you and have being in that safe space to do so? And I think that's what makes a really powerful community. Let's say I'm somebody who has Can already- Can I hold on one sec? I'm just, yeah. just going to shut my door because it crosses. That's, yeah. So I just want to get like super granular and specific from you on this. So like, let's say I'm somebody that has already started a podcast because I just, I know it's the right thing to do. Like it's in the same way that it's right to start a blog. It's right to start a podcast. So I've already started a podcast, but like, I don't necessarily know how to, how to use that podcast to build a community. So I've already started it. I've already named it. Let's say it's called the purpose driven entrepreneur what are the steps that I need to be taking to, to, to take this to being like an, like legitimately growing audience and also legitimately growing, like legitimately um, being like a thought provoking show that is worth having a community around? Yeah, that's, that's a really great question. And it's such a loaded question too. That's, there's so many layers involved with this one. And I'm going to come down to fundamentals. It's like, do you have your, your why statement, your values and like, are they clear and concise? Because they need to be, they need to be the foundation. It's like, think of a house. Like if you don't have that, the concrete there, the house is going to collapse. They need to be there. And then yeah. you need to make sure that you embody them in everything that you talk about. You need to mm. make sure that the, the guests that you interview um, also that their values align to pretty much that or the stuff they speak of. Because that make that, that you want alignment 100%. Because if it does start to skew off, then it's almost going to be conflicting in a way. I think that's the most important thing to make sure the things align with the, the, the company's values or your, your self values. And then something that will also create community is actually asking your current audience like questions on like what they want to hear or like literally putting out polls. Like we have the tools to do it over social media, like LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter what are like the, the things that they want to hear or what are the things that they really enjoyed getting feedback from them and do it going through a continuous feedback loop. 
that's so important because if you can listen to what they want to an extent that obviously is on that is on on uh how do i say on schedule to what you're already putting out or you can tie it in together and you can almost feature those people in there they'll feel heard and it's going to help advocate that as well so i think starting off with that is going to always help and then yeah and then going backwards keep going on that i love it so that's good advice um when i started this podcast it was literally out of the mindset of like interesting there is nobody that's asking like successful business owners what it is that they're really living their life for and maybe the reason for that is it's just not interesting enough to people and i guess i'll know that when i get to like episode 300 and my audience is not very there uh but but it's a super interesting conversation for me so they're the, the conversations that i've been wanting to have so i'm curious how you would answer the question of um either what am i living my life for or what do I want my legacy to be? And I love these questions because they're so thought provoking. And this is, this is great because this allows me to not have an answer right off the cuff. These are so deep spiritual based questions that it, these are like going deep into my soul. But for me, if there was one thing, what my gut is telling me is, is connection. That's I've done enough like gallop strength tests and for me to know who I am as a person connectedness is has to be my top value and for me if I leave the legacy where I've made people feel a little bit more connected with themselves or towards something that means I'm onto the right place why is that so important to you that it's one of the things you want to hang your life on have you ever seen the documentary called call to courage by Brene Brown that Netflix uh-uh, okay so no. it's 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 really just her keynote just recorded and she talks about how humans are neurobiologically wired for for connection that's why story works so well like we're, when we hit that limbic system of the brain that emotional center it allows me to resonate with other people and it doesn't make me feel alone and I think that's what it comes down to someone who has a past and mental health um struggles i'll say mental health challenges and what and has done a fair bit of mental health advocacy the what really um reinforces my belief on staying on this earth is not feeling alone and to not feel alone is to connect and that's for me and i believe that one of the strongest ways to connect with someone is connecting on a rock bottom level because what that does is remove judgment. It makes it safe. And that, what do you that's, mean that's when you say word. connecting with someone on a rock bottom level? Well, it, first of all, it comes down to, I think also being a catalyst myself. It's yes, having the boundaries in place to maybe not share so much straight up, but when someone is being open, just listening and just being that there and holding space for them and not interrupting and all, and all that so that, when I do share, I can come from a place of love and I can come from a place of, of no judgment and from a place of, I hear you, I see you and acknowledgement. And, and it does come back to what I said before. So that we feel understood. And I think that's what it really comes down to because we are so multifaceted creatures. We have our backgrounds, a lot of the trauma that we carried from childhood and trauma can literally be when 
mum or dad yelled at us as a kid because we didn't get what we wanted and we carried that through to feel understood it comes down to not what's wrong with us what happened to us and that's a, that's a very powerful question that um yeah. i love i love hearing you uh you wrote a book called everyone has a plan until shit hits the fan how to not be the bitch of your own brain uh nobody writes a book like that if they're not trying to uh, make some sort of impact <laughs> so uh what what was that about tope yeah great question man i went through and i'm just gonna be open and honest on this yeah um please. i went through a very very dark period in 2014 where i was the biggest people pleaser and all i did was try and not be myself I was not happy with who I was. I did not love myself. I consumed every uh, alcohol and, and substance I could take just so I can numb the pain. And it's also so I could feel. And this is How someone old were you who- were in 2014? I would have been 20, 21, I would say. Okay. 20, 21. And, oh no, I would have been 20, wait no, 23. 23 math is hard and yeah math is my own age (laughs) yeah um and i went through this dark dark period and i the depression and anxiety like I, i just didn't have the awareness of what i was going through at the time that i actually just wanted to kill myself and it was something that i was so infatuated with the concept of for so long that i just did not have I lost who I was as a person that was like, I felt like a sole purpose, which is really dark and morbid. Yeah. And my, how long were you infatuated with the concept of killing yourself? Oh, I'd say six to nine months after that. Like I went through these incremental steps that led to like a massive implosion where I, there was a girl I was like in love with and she wanted to call it off, but I was an absolute asshole. So I'm like, okay, like I felt like, I was such a sociopath because I was too busy trying to get people's love when I wasn't even giving it to myself. And I was yeah. carrying all this trauma as a kid to who I was today or to, to who I was back then that I ended up finding, I ended up learning how to be vulnerable. That was the step, the first step and accepting where I was at. And then the next step was trying to get better. And uh, like I had to turn the own switch I had to flick the switch off in my myself. I couldn't get anyone else to save me. I had to rescue myself. That was the biggest thing. Understanding that, dude, no one is going to save you. You're in a hole. Let's accept where we are and let's move forward. Stop comparing yourself to everyone. Like comparisonitis is a cancer. It really is. Yeah. And yeah. and expectations as well. I I remember so in 2019, was it? 2018. It was the beginning of 2019. First time I ever really, truly wanted to kill myself. Um, yeah, well. And it was, I was going through a divorce and uh, really tough divorce. I found out she was having an affair and it was just, it was not great. Um, and I remember like the first, actually, no, I'm sorry. The first time was before that. It was a little, it was maybe six months earlier than that. I was still married and the, the marriage was just very miserable. And um, I couldn't figure out why she didn't want to be intimate with me. And uh, I remember thinking, you know, I'm either going to 
have an affair or want a divorce or kill myself or go crazy. Like, I don't know what my options are. And I remember thinking the idea of killing myself sounded like the most dignified way of exiting that painful situation. Um, and there was almost like a nobility in my mind to the idea of killing myself. And so then I started literally thinking like, okay, what's the least painful way to kill myself? And I don't know why I thought to myself to be like, okay, I need help. Like for whatever reason, right after I started think seriously thinking about what's the least painful way to kill myself, I was like, I need help. And I called uh, a therapist, like the marriage counselor that we had gone to in the past. And I was like, hey, this is not for us. This is for me. Um, first time I ever thought about killing myself today. And he was like, okay, well, just come on, come on over. <laughs> and, um, and she thought that my wife at the time thought that I had made it all up, um, that I was basically trying to manipulate her. Um, and, uh, and so, so anyways, um, I went through a period of time where I was just very, very seriously praying for God to like, get me out of this whole mess. Um, and then about six months later, I found out she was having an affair and, um, I asked her, you know, do you want to try to fix this and like repair our marriage or do you want this to be over? And she said, she wants this to be over. So we started the process of divorce, which reignited the thoughts about killing myself. And um, I, for me, what scared me away from actually doing it was literally the thought of like, well, what if this life, like, what if all this stuff that I believe about God is not real and this life is all there is? And the scariness of like the void on the other side is what caused me to not do it. And then just the question of like, okay, what is spiritually true was what like became my, my newest obsession. And that's what ended up causing me to not want to kill myself. But that was a long winded way of me asking you, what was it for you that caused you to decide not to do it? Yeah. Well, first of all, man, thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing that as well. Um, It was almost like I told myself, this is meant to be, but this is not how I'm meant to go. That's what I told myself. There's something that came to me. I don't know if it was like a, a higher power. It was something that my gut was telling me. And I had to, I really had to sit with that first before, I'm like, I'm, before I make any more movement. Because if I do, this could really... I could deeply, deeply regret this. I don't know how, like it would when I'm gone, but I think the mess I would make, not physically, but like with family and that, it yeah. would really hurt them. And I think I just thought about my parents and I said, I, I can't do this to them. And then in myself, I'm like, I'm still doing this for other people. Like I'm yeah. still like, I'm not even thinking of myself here. So that's when I... Uh, it did come to me like this is meant to be, but this is not how I'm meant to go. And that, that's why I decided to get myself better. It was the biggest step was focusing just on myself. What can I do things for myself? Because the, the like I said before, I, I would wear a mask of other people's masks. They would never see, they would always see happy turf, but they would always see drunk turf too. 
but they would also never see a true side of myself. And when I decided to get myself better, I decided to get healthy, <laughs> like really, really invest my time into sport and, 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 and uh, exercise. And it was hard for me because I never did sports in high school because I was always the kid that got picked last. I dedicated myself to like academia and I decided to take up running because running was something that I didn't have to, no one had to rely on me. It would have been cheap because I just need a pair of shoes and I just ran like, but when I say just ran, I focused on small steps. So let's just leave the house to go to the letterbox. What is the uh -huh. easiest thing? So I can overcome the overthinking. Yeah. The next time let's go to the end of the street and sticking with that mindset it allowed me to go bigger and bigger like literally bigger and bigger like one kilometer turned into five it turned into a marathon turned into 100 miles at one point and then trying to attempt to run across scotland but if i um if i backtrack a bit what really gave me a sense of uh, a sense of purpose and then identity it was i used my running to give back I, I would raise money for charities and, that, and me and a friend would do this. And we dedicated pretty much two years of our lives, dedicating out, um, putting our bodies on the line to run or do these crazy endurance events to raise money and awareness for several causes. And that gave me so much because I was giving back. But then I it got to the point where I felt so obligated in everything I did to do for charity that there is a saying, you can't give on an empty cup. I gave my cup away metaphorically. I'm like, oh my gosh, my, my validation issues, my people-pleasing issues is still, still really prevalent because if I don't feel like I'm a good person, I'm not loved. And I'm like, whose love am I trying to get? Mm. And it's, I had to literally put a hold on everything. I had to stop and go from now on, I have to put boundaries in place. So I have to learn to start saying no because I'm going to, yeah, it's going to end badly if I just keep saying yes to all these things as well as doing things for myself. So even through all that journey of writing that book, I was still people pleasing to an extent that now I have to, if it's not a hell yeah, I, I'm out. Yeah. Um, how did you, what was the answer to the question of like, whose love you're trying to get, or how did you figure that out? And what is something that you've evolved your thinking on since you wrote the book? Yeah. Um, whose love am I trying to get? It was my dad's. Gotcha. So same. I, yeah, I, I learned the last three and a half years, I had joined um, a men's community, a men's group called um, MKP. And it's called Mankind Project. And I came across this because my last big, big endurance event was attempting to run across Scotland. Um, I can send you the link if you want. I, I did a like a documentary on it. Like I vlogged the whole thing and 180 miles in or 208, 280 kilometers in, I break down and I had to pull out because my body's failing and I've still got 40 miles to go. And I lost identity. I didn't want to run ever again. And I lost who I was as a person because over the years, everyone knew me as this ultra marathon guy, the charity dude gotcha. that I tied myself to that identity so much that 
it it really like it it hit me for six like it i was uh, yeah i lost we don't have that expression here what's it hit me for six mean it's it's in cricket (laughs) like if i hit the ball it's like getting it's like hitting a home run like i'm smacking that ball's going out and it it knocked me out that i was contemplating suicide again after going through this journey wow wow this is 2018 and this is even after writing the book i'm like this is so ironic that a friend of mine said go to this group i think you need to go so i went going and in there like i'm shaking and i learned so much about myself because of that group because of the community and because of my triggers growing up there was a lot of trauma i hadn't processed like i hadn't cried i hadn't had a proper i haven't griefed properly for years for whatever whatever it was because what i was told to be a guy is if i'm going through emotion just bottle it you don't need to show any of it now that I watched the Olympics the other day and I was crying watching it. And I'm happy if anyone wants to see me crying, they'll see me cry. I don't care because yeah. in my opinion, real men cry. Real men yeah. go through all the emotions because yeah. if I don't suppress the shame, if I suppress the shame, the shame is going to kill me. And that's usually what kills men, shame. Mm. And if I don't press that, suppress the anger, if, if I just suppress the anger, it's going to come out sideways. So it's part reason why I do a boxing class sometimes just so I can take out the anger and literally get it out if I need to. Be. Yeah. Yeah. And well, same here. That- it, when I get very angry, I'll storm off to the gym. Like I'll tell my wife, I'll be like, I'm going to go storm off to the gym. I'm not right. like, this isn't a, at, at you. I just need to go and like lift some heavy things. Mm. And one thing you, you asked me before, like, what is something that I've learned that, that I've written after the book that, I am still growing. My identity is always constantly, and it, it comes down to like, who's Tove? And I'm always constantly baffled at, how do I answer this question? If I say I'm a podcaster and I'm no longer a podcaster, my identity's screwed. Yeah. And I think how I go about it is I'm a lifelong learner, but I also do podcast strategy and, and, and editing. I also do mental health advocacy. I'm someone who's quite active in that. Because I'm never going to remove that lifelong learner. Like I've transitioned so much in careers that yeah, it's it, a friend of mine told me this, this Buddhist principle and it's like, you have a container and there's all these dots and every one of those dots represent something about us. So for example, one of those dots is I'm a son, but for whatever reason in a, and I hope this never happens. Like my parents, uh, they, they pass away tomorrow then I'm no longer a son. So what is one thing I can fixate myself on? So like when people ask me this, I think I have to say I'm a lifelong learner because that's never going to change. And because we evolve as people all the time. And I do want to preface on this as well. I remember I was processing some trauma in this men's group and I got the big thing was I got confused that validation and acceptance was the same thing. Okay. And everything I did was relying on other people's opinions that I never, uh, everyone else's values and opinions that I never seek to my own. And I was too busy being trying to be liked by everyone when re- yeah. and the reality is I'm not going to be liked by everyone. But why don't I find this community of people that I can connect with so that we can gel and we can, so that they're my people. 
Yeah. And if it, if it means we change down the trajectory later on, that's okay. I just have to wish them love and hope them for the best and not have any resentment like I usually do, like I usually did. And eventually our journeys will cross paths again. And that's why it comes down to what is the legacy I want to leave? It comes yeah. down to all that hurt that I went through, that, it, that connection is such a big one for me because now the connection is quality, not quantity. What's the difference between validation and acceptance? Um, well, the validation I feel is, is other people's opinion is, is like, is relying on other people. And I feel like acceptance, I just need to put the word self in front of it. I think I just associate acceptance with self-acceptance Yeah, and almost like this is where everything is at. Yeah. Yeah. For me personally, I started to experience real healing when I started doing the exercise of looking in the mirror and talking to myself in the second person. So talking to myself, like I'm not like, I'm not me, but like, I'm like, I'm my friend. Um, and it yeah. felt so bizarre, but when I started doing it, I started to get a little bit like both honest and positive. So like, I'm talking to myself, like I'm this person that I'm going to be with forever. Not like in the first person, when we talk to ourselves in the first person, we naturally use like um, statements like, oh, I need to go to the gym. Oh, I need, I need this. I have too much of this. You know, I, I can never seem to blah, blah, blah. Like that's the language that we usually use. But when you say, we, what I found is that when I replaced it with you statements, it was like, you are attractive, but you could probably lose some weight. Like, <laughs> like I was yeah. talking to myself like a friend would. Um, and it was honest and it was cringy at first and it would be cringy if I tried to go back to doing it, but, uh, but, but it really helped. It was a huge unlock for me. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. And it's, it comes down to that. We are with ourselves the rest of our lives. So we have to yeah. treat ourselves like our best friends, our, yeah. our, our self, like a self best friend, because if I, I look at it, like if I don't fill up those, my cups, if I don't fill my cup up first thing. And if I give it to someone else, I, why well, I, I need to fill my cup up before I can fill up anyone else's. That's just as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just for fun, Toph, uh, I like to ask this. I'm a kid's book author. I believe part of leaving a legacy is reaching the hearts of kids. What's a topic or idea you'd make into a kid's book if you could? How to be curious, like how to really cultivate curiosity and maintain that for the rest of our lives. Because where I see a massive flaw in schooling systems, not just it, like anywhere. Um, and I'm talking the main public school systems, not like Montessori or any of those, because I do, I think they're doing a great job is yeah. I think we need to be teaching kids like proper life lessons, like character traits, like let's do a class on how to be grateful. Let's do a class yeah. on meditation. Let's do a class on connection. Let's do a class on how to be curious all the other stuff that will come later on, like all the, the math and how to like all the English and all that, that's fine. And, but I think these are very important fundamentals because that's going to shape a person, a kid in particular, or how, let's teach a kid how to be compassionate. So when another kid is going through something, how do we just support them or just hold space for them or have empathy for them? Because I think that would make a world a kinder place. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh man, you're, you got my brain going on different kids books. I would make like, like one that I would try to make is like, um, how to disagree with somebody in a good faith sort of way. Like that's obviously not what the title of the book would be, but the, mm. the theme of the book that I would want it to be would be like to disagree with people with good faith, meaning you're not mischaracterizing the, what, the things that they think so that you can get a quick one up and beat them. Like genuinely, I, your, your commitment to understanding them is as, is as, as uh, severe as your commitment to, um, you know, demonstrating why you disagree. Uh, like that, like, it'd be really hard to make that into a great kid's book, but it would be a fun challenge. <laughs> um, my yeah. last for fun question for you, Toph, is uh, what is something that you currently suck at that a year from now you want to be great at? I'm going to say basketball. And okay. It's because my partner and I recently moved house and we have all these basketball courts and we're just behind a park and it's lovely. And I used to play basketball as a kid and I was okay. But like once a week, I'll go down to the basketball courts and just shoot some hoops. And I'm not the greatest, but I'm enamored by basketball. Like I watch NBA all the time, but I want to get good at it. Like it's something, cause it just allows me to, how do I change up my sporting realm? Like I play tennis one, uh, once a week with a, with a mate. I play, I, I've taken up boxing. I'll do yoga now and then. Like I, I do find myself quite active, but I'm always trying to evolve my fitness game. So I don't feel like it's monotonous and I, I don't feel like I'm pigeonholing myself. So, and it's always just to try new things as well. So I'd say it, it would be basketball. Awesome. I love it. That's that question I asked there to figure out how I'm going to stay connected with you over time. <laughs> so I'm going to yeah. be DMing <laughs> you at some point, asking you how basketball practice is going. Uh, Tope, this has been a super fun conversation. Where are you most active? How should a listener connect with you? Yeah, for sure. I am most active on LinkedIn and Instagram. So my personal Instagram and, and LinkedIn, it's Tope. Um, dot evan so t-o-f-e dot e-v-a-n-s or you can reach out to me um on my my business so it's uh, called soundboard and it's literally soundboard underscore au and that's on instagram and and linkedin as well awesome love it tof it's been great to get to know you thank you so much for being a guest on my show thanks mate appreciate it 